people, purpose, potential, and prosperity. It's time to go beyond, beyond business with Sean Nicholas. Brett Campbell, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Super, super pleased to be here. That's fantastic. Brett, people can jump online and find out about you. Um, you, You're right across all the social media and find out about your business, uh, the award-winning media agency that you run and and all the other entrepreneurial activities you're you're involved in. What I'd really like to do uh, today is go beyond business and firstly find out what's the purpose of business for you? Mm. Whew, depends on what level in the elevator I, I want to go down. Um, what I mean by that is there, there's always the, oh, it allows me to provide freedom and get to do what I want when I want with whom I want. But um, I guess if I really look at it, it um, business for me was the, is the gateway of being able to live every day in accordance to how I personally want to be living. So I'm governed by my own set of values. I'm governed by, you know, the company values that we've created and, and the culture and so forth is is like a byproduct of, of me, let's call it. Um, now, of course, culture and company and so forth has grown with the collective. So it's not just about any one individual. But, um, you know, I certainly am um, embedded with, with that philosophy of being able to live in accordance to my own personal values and business values every single day. And the easiest way for me to do that is to surround myself with that. Right. So um, of course, you know, business allows me to, to have an uncapped potential of earnings, which for me is, is a really, really important thing. Um, and we could probably talk about that, but that's, that's an entire, another conversation, but to be able to not be capped on a potential of something really, really interests me. So, um, you know, whether that's earning income or whether that's the amount of people that you can serve, you know, I mean, I originally came from, I guess my entrepreneurial journey started in the the health and fitness space. And, you know, I I sort of was trading time for money at that stage. I was a personal trainer. So, you know, I was capped in regards to how many people I could personally see one-on-one. So then, then I created group training and I was like, well, I want to be able to train like 50 people at once now. Um, and then I was like, geez, I want to train more. So I built a franchise right at the time, fastest growing fitness franchise in the country. We had, you know, dozens of locations around the country. And I was like, but I want to help more people and train more people. So we went online. And, and so this whole thing about being uncapped for me, there, there's something that really resonates with that. That's, that's fantastic. And so where did that, was that, did that start early off in your career of wanting to be an entrepreneur is, is that did that start off early for you yeah it, it did and I've, I've got an interesting story i haven't shared this story in a long time but it's um it it's perfect for this um when i was a kid i used to walk up and down the street knock on the doors of everyone's house and say hi my name is brett campbell i'm wondering if you've got any jobs for me right because because i come from a you know let's call it a low socioeconomic area my my mother and sister and myself left australia when i was four separated from my father and and we we moved to a very small little town where you know there there wasn't a lot going on um to put it into context across the road from me was the black power gang 
behind us, a street back was the mongrel mob gang. They weren't friends. Um, you know, we had a neighbor who had horses in his backyard and I'm talking like a residential area. He had horses in his backyard. They'd walk up and down the street and leave the biggest piles of horse shit you could imagine. So that's the sort of place that I sort of grew up in, but I had this ambition to go, there's, there's got to be a way for me to be able to get more or have more. At the time, it was I just needed enough money to to play my Street Fighter. Twenty, All I needed was 20 cent pieces, right, to play Street Fighter, play my arcade games and get my dollar worth of jet plane lollies. That was, for me, that was the goal. And I'm like, my mum can't give me a dollar and she's certainly ain't going to give me money to waste on a spacey machine or arcade games. So I had to sort of go out and, and beat the street myself. So um, I ended up landing a job with a with a guy who what he did was he had timber pellets right so timber pellets as in you know not something like a gun pellet or nothing that basically when shipments of of goods come in and they're on a timber pellet um and what he'd do is he'd go to these big companies who you know received a lot of shipments and he would collect all the sort of broken pellets and and sometimes a broken pellet can consisted of just a one board on it was sort of broken and what he'd do is he would he'd pick them all up and he'd come home and in his own backyard he would replace the damaged boards and so I went and asked him for a job and he goes yep you know how to swing a hammer um and at that stage I would have been I probably would have been about 13 at this stage so here I am I was a scrawny little kid then you know had no muscle mass at all um, but I had the heart of a lion, right? I was lifting these pellets and I'm ripping off boards with a crowbar. And um, then I asked him, I said, how much like do you make per pellet? How, how does this work? Because I had no idea, right? He was paying me like five bucks an hour. And, and um, he goes, oh, I get paid um, per pellet. So, because what I noticed was there was pellets that I didn't even need to fix. Like he, there'd probably be maybe five or 10% of the pellets were actually okay. All he did was stack them back on the truck to go send them out to another business right, and get paid for it. I'm like, shit, yeah, this is pretty interesting. So I wanted to, I was always curious about the economics of something. And uh, I asked, you know, how much do you get paid? And for the sake of mathematics right now, let's say you got paid $5 a pellet. I'm like, $5 a pellet. So in my head, I'm like five, 10, 15, 20, I'm counting up the truck and I'm like, holy crap, there's heaps of money here. I'm working, like I've just loaded this entire truck up I'm getting paid five bucks an hour. I've been here for like three hours after school and I've basically done the entire pallet. I've earned $15. You've earned about $1,500. I was like, there's some serious shit going on here. We need, we need to negotiate, right? So I said to him, what if I, um, I reckon I could probably get more pallets done if you paid me per pallet, right? So we ended up paying, we ended up working it out. He paid me $1.25 per pallet, right? So I got $1.25 per pallet. And I'll tell you what, my, Increased productivity went through the flipping roof, right? So I was instead of getting paid five bucks an hour, it worked out to be about thirty-five bucks an hour with the time and speed and so forth. So for me, that ties back into this thing of, you know, I'm always looking to push the barriers, and I don't want to ever have uncapped abilities around me, right? So whether that's in my own potential, or whether that's in income earnings, or whether that's in impact. Um, it's certainly stemmed, you know, I've probably got a dozen of those type of stories where I've always tried to push the envelope. And I think it's super important that we as individuals are always trying to, you know, push ourselves to that, the ceiling and breaking through the ceiling into the next level. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> a great early entrepreneurial, uh, it's almost like a genetic thing that you've got there driving you in terms of seeing that and, and looking for the opportunity for potential, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. Brett, one of the things about possibility and potential is that we really don't know what our potential is 
until we step beyond our current experience and step into that new experience. So when you were starting your business um, in, in the media company, we'll focus on, what was your vision at the start and was it the vision that you see now or, or how do you level up? Yeah. So I've got, I'd say, I think five companies and I can tell you if we're talking about Campbell Media Group right now, this is probably the only company that I've really gone into it with the lenses. <clears throat> it's that whole hindsight, right? It obviously led me to this to this position of, of where we are today. But from day one, the line in the sand was drawn that we're going to become the best digital growth agency in, in the world. Um, we've not steered away from that. And I actually talk about this quite a lot because I think this is this is a powerful lesson for all business owners is that you need to go into it with the mindset. If you want to have a $100 million a year company, you need to go into it from day one with a $100 million mindset, right? You need to be making decisions based upon getting towards that outcome that you're looking to achieve, right? A lot of businesses, and I speak for myself here with a number of my other companies, um, just to their credit, they've done well purely because of my relentlessness and way, like desire to, to try and make it work, right? Um, but there are easier ways to do this stuff, and, and this is one of them. Um, so I think, you know, going into it with, with the mindset of, the connection to the ultimate vision and for us it's like how do you become the number one right then you can break it down and you can look at all the subsets and so forth that fall within that but what it does is it holds you to accountable uh, to accountability right where if you just fall into a business you're like, oh, i don't really know like the amount of business owners i speak to and they're like oh you know and i'm like well what are your what's your forecast what's your targets what's your kpis this month what do you, you know how's your business growing when are you gonna double triple whatever you know what does your next three year forecast look like they've got no idea and I relate to that because when I start, when I built our fitness franchise, I put up a sales page and, and sent it out to my database and it went berserk, right? It went absolutely, just blew up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I probably should have thought and asked myself if I wanted to build it, right? So, so I've done a lot of things backwards. But in this case, from day one, it was super clear, draw the line in the sand. You know, we're going to become the best um, and we need to make decisions in accordance to best. So what that means is, are we going to skimp out and try and get the, cheap $20 a month software or go, you know, we need to pay for the $200 software, right? And that's just one decision. Does that mean we're going to try and get talent and pay minimum wage or are we going to pay above minimum wage? You know, are we going to pay good rates for, for our talent? So it's, it's really making decisions in accordance to that. So definitely important. Yeah, excellent. So, so your clarity of that $100 million business or, or what the vision of the, the business is. And let me clarify there, $100 million plus like it's plus. Not, not capping that right that's 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 an important distinction because if you if you set that mark as a yeah. 10 million dollar business yeah. it's like good luck trying to reach that you need to be, be far exceeding that yeah but but that's the marker that, that that you're focusing on on driving to at the moment because then you're at another level in another experience and you're looking at you know billion dollar type of vision correct that that gives you that focus and, and clarity so how do you get that vision permeating through your business to your people? Well, again, that's a really good question. That And that's led by, one, being super clear on the vision, having a set of core values that, that everyone within the team buys into, right, that ethos. Um, <clears throat> and then the most important thing of all, right, because so many businesses understand this vision, mission, values concept, 
and they have this nice little statement and they have these cool values like, you know, be bold and, you know, celebrate success. And, and don't get me wrong, those, those are two actual part of our core values. However, you've got to actually live it. You've got to eat it. You've got to breathe it. You've got to, you know, it's, it's got to be embodied within you and the organization and everything that you do. Um, so that, that's where the rubber really hits the road. Um, so for us, it's, it's from day one, you know, I remember when we had like a team of, there was only three of us, um, you know, one of the cool things that we do at the end of the week, and I actually got this from a real, from a, a great friend of mine, their business, I wish I made it up, but it was, um, we, we do at the end of the week, it's called a made it happen circle, right? And we sit down and we reflect and we share appreciation, um, to each other and where we've been able to support each other and great things that we've done. So we're really embodying that culture of we're all here to make a difference for our clients and that's what matters, right? And then as a byproduct of, of succeeding for our clients, we will all internally succeed, right? So embodying it and doing it every single day um, is, is the most important thing because there's no point having a cool mural on the wall that says some fucking famous quote and then all of a sudden it's like, do you even know what that quote means or what does it mean to this person, that person, that person? So establishing the, let's call it rules or guidelines that you want to live by and then actually live by them. That's a, a powerful, it is a powerful lesson because, um, yeah, it's, it's often where businesses, um, people and, and corporations go wrong is they say one thing and, and do and live another yeah, and because they they hire a company to come and let's do a company culture shake up and let's 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 do all this and hold hands and sing kumbaya, but it's like one off things don't don't build a culture. It's consistent repetition. It's having this ethos that every single person within the organisation buys into. And I, at the start of this conversation, I alluded to. Now, of course, I've I've navigated those quite. Um, I guess quite finally myself in the sense of, you know, created them. Um, but in the same token, it's everyone in the team's got to know what that means. So whenever a new team member joins our, our um, team, the first thing that they do every, like on their first day, they spend the first two hours with me where I sit down and I actually talk about our culture. I talk about this grandiose vision and, and they've already been indoctrinated through that as well, because we've talked about it in interviews and in second interviews. So, people are very, very clear on where we're heading to and what that sort of looks like and the expectations around that. Um, but to be able to start when someone comes on, and this is the whole thing about putting it into action, right? So we have this grandiose vision. We want to do this. We want to be the best in the world. Throughout the entire, like we're always talking about customer journey, right? Throughout your entire team member journey, right? the amount of businesses who don't have this just fucking baffles me, right? You need to know what's the perfect team journey. What's going to make one of your team members a staying, raving fan of evangelist of this business and this culture and this company? Um, so being very intentional with the things that, that are implemented on a, on a very regular basis is key. And to start the their, let's call it their um, induction off with, here's two hours and I'm going to just put it out there and here's, here's what we're about, here's what we stand for. And then... It, then actually asking them what does that all mean to you right because this is the thing like you could you could have an induction someone at the front of the room talking go here's our values this 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 and this and they go well that was a cool little seminar 
and they walk out and that's it. It's like, no, there's a two-way street here. Culture's not the founder or, you know, the CEO or the head of whatever department preaching. It's an actual two-way dialogue. That's fantastic. And so that, that focus on your, your team members, their induction, their, their integration into the business and their growth and their journey, how have you seen that? What I'm getting to is the growth of a business is usually revolves around the growth of people. Mm-hmm. And so how have you seen that reflect in your business and, and the, the companies that you work with? Yeah, so um, we realised that very early on at the start. Um, that we're only as good as the people and the team that we create and, and cultivate and and grow. Um, so, you know, to my point around having a very um, intentionally designed team journey, whether they've been with you for the first week or first month, first year and beyond, um, one, of, one of the things... There we go. Just got some good results out there for the team. Beautiful if you heard that little horn. Um, so... Um, my office looks out to the whole team, so I'm just like, I get get distracted. Anyway, good news, one of our clients is winning. Um, so in regards to obviously being intentional, a couple of other things that we do that indicates, number one, to the team that we actually really do care about you and your growth as a person, professionally and personally, is um, two times a week we actually have internal um, development training right so it's paid development training where we're um where we're uh <laughs> we're and so and this right here right this is a perfect example we talk about culture so we we celebrate wins right that's how we celebrate wins so we're not just going yeah we won and and someone keeps it quiet and we send an email off to everyone on the team is all we get up and we toot the horn and we clap and and um so on and so forth but interesting that they happen at this time um so like I said, team training and development is really, really important. But here's the here's the, the linchpin of it all, and I think the most important part is your team needs to know that you actually do give a fuck, right? That That is everything because you – I've seen people, and I've just seen it recently this last week, you know, someone run like a six – they run a multiple-day induction training and for their team, and they thought it was amazing, and then all of a sudden – like last week, their entire team just left. They boycotted, right? And I'm like, now you've actually got to make sure that that person in your team understands and believes that you are here to help and develop them. So I've got a, I've got a, um, I won't call it an unfair advantage because it's something I've been cultivating for many, many years in regards to the ability to be able to communicate with people on a, you know, a very empathetic, a very um, you know, emotional level and not buy into or get emotionally distracted by whatever's happening with that person, you know. So the years of, of studying, you know, psychology and self-development and, and, you know, a mirror of all the other things that you can learn out there, um, but being able to cultivate this thing called emotional intelligence, right, to be able to actually sit down and have a conversation with someone and actually pick things up when, you you know, I was talking about this on a podcast yesterday, this whole thing about the glitch in the matrix, right? If you... if if I ever feel a glitch in the matrix, whether it's energetically or it's a, I hear something or something goes on, I'm like, my brain, like I'm like, hold on a minute, something there didn't feel right, which to me, because I'm, I'm able to be in touch with my own intuition and, and the energy around me, I can sort of pick up and go, mm. 
that that comment there that someone made was slightly off and it's not normally them, um, that's a sign for me just to maybe potentially investigate slightly. So showing that you really care is the number one way to really build a world-class company culture where people will stay back late. They'll come to work early and they're not even thinking about, oh, I've got to stay back late tonight. It's like doing what we've got to do, right? So as long as they know that you actually care, doesn't really matter so much about all the other cool things that you do. They're just cherries on the top. You know, the table tennis table is just a cherry on the top. So creating the environment is is the number one most important thing. And then obviously allowing the person to be comfortable in communicating their struggles and concerns and so forth. Because so many people sitting out there in an office chair in buildings so unhappy waiting for that next thing to come up <laughs> definitely definitely you know stress and burnout and anxiety and all the areas that i work in are, are just rampant which is unfortunate but we're, we're on the cause to uh stamp it out or, or at least make a dent in what's what's happening there so how did you come to that that realization obviously there's some experience in uh business beforehand of things not working it, was it just a comparison of this isn't working? I have to change. Was it you that had to change first? Um, let me sort of break that down a little bit. So I don't think it wasn't that was I doing things wrong. I just think as we progress as people and business people and the more emotionally intelligent, the more self-aware that I personally become, the more that surrounds me because I'm cultivating that around me, right? I'm, I'm planting seeds around me and I'm growing the seeds as well, you know, intentionally growing the seeds. So I'm out there watering them every single day, right? Um, and I think, and and this ties back to that that ethos of going, you know, we, we are going to be, so it's not even we want to, we are going to be the number one digital growth agency on this planet, Um you know, in our first 12 months of, of operations, we took out the 2018 Best Social Media Agency of the Year Award in Australia, New Zealand, et cetera, et cetera. But the point around that is, is we are so committed to that being reality that all this culture stuff just, it, it's a non-negotiable. Like you cannot build that type of company without having that. So it's it's almost like when you when you cast this ultimate vision, if you're smart enough, you'll be able to see all the pieces of the puzzle that need to need to be a part and along for the ride. Yeah. Right. So if you set a mediocre goal and you're just looking to make, you know, hundred grand a month or something, and you're like, Oh, just that's my goal, you're probably not gonna build a team culture because you don't need to. You can earn a million bucks yourself as a solopreneur, basically, really, right? Um, so when you when you create this grandiose vision, all of those other things start to come into play because they have to be there or else you're not going to get there. Yeah, definitely. And one thing, Brett, I come across with entrepreneurs, especially, you know, visionary entrepreneurs, is that they see the vision, they believe in the vision, but sometimes there's this frustration that the vision isn't manifesting fast enough and they often get stressed and anxious about that. I, I call it entrepreneurial anxiety. Is mm -hmm. that something with this vision? Even maybe not you, but maybe your people see the vision and, and they sometimes push a bit harder than what they should to get to that vision? Is that something you've experienced? Um, I I have personally and do personally, like I, 
at the heart of it all, one of my own personal values is that is there's always a faster and better way to do something, right? Which is great because it allows my mind to always be thinking of is there a faster and better way to do it? And if so, what is it? What I've got to look at um, and potentially pivot, et cetera. So I don't, there's no one else out there within our organization running as hard and as fast as me, right? And that just, that sort of goes without saying. Now, that doesn't mean that the team are not hungry and motivated and so forth for that to be the case. Um, I'm the ultimate flag bearer here, right? I sort of play the chief evangelist role with inside our organization. Um, and it sort of buys back into the concept of, you know, I think if you look at the, the highest level of leadership, right, as people follow you because of who you are as a person, right? Couple below that is they follow you for what you do, right? So you can lead by example, but who you're becoming along that journey is ultimately the most important. Like I could be out there leading by example, working a thousand hours a day and they're like, wow, he's a workhorse, but I could still be a jerk. Right. So making sure that, you know, you're the ultimate flag bearer for your own business or you've got someone who's, who is, um, but also ensuring that they're becoming the person that they need to become in order to get the, the complete buy-in from the entire team. Cause this isn't, this isn't Brit's business. This you know, this isn't my business partner's business. This is our business, right? It's every single person from our junior strategist all the way through our you know, senior leadership team, et cetera. We're all committed to making this happen and we equally share in the wins and, and just make it a, um, you know, an environment that everyone just wants to be a part of. Yeah, fantastic. And with that, with that activity and with that enthusiasm, um, ultimately we want to be, operating at our peak you know right on the edge pushing but coping and maintaining our flow how do you do that personally and then how do you you put that through the business maintain that peak performance and not go into that stress zone where you start diminishing your performance Mm. how do you do that something that i've become very conscious of and aware of is Every single thing that we're doing happens for a reason. Now, I need to caveat that because that's such a throwaway line where it can be like, oh, yeah, cool, everything happens for a reason. You know, it is what it is. But there's deeper there's deeper meanings to that, right? And when you can, when you can consciously and subconsciously become connected to that as your ultimate nucleus, the truth of, of life. So for me, I truly believe that, the speed in which we're operating at right now is the speed in which we're supposed to operate at, which that massively reduces any potential anxiety, right? What it does is if I, then if I feel like there's a disconnect between um, the speed in which we're operating at on this growth towards where we're heading to, if, if I feel there's a disconnect, that glitch in the matrix, I'm like, I feel like we should be moving way faster. It allows me to stop and assess and look at and go, what is currently stopping us? from moving forward fast. So this is where you can jump back logically, right? And you can, I love problem solving, right? So things like that, I love to look at and go, okay, let's break this down. So why aren't we moving? Okay, because of that. Okay, what could we do to improve that? Well, this, 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 or this. Well, what's that going to take? How long are we estimating that could take? Oh, that's going to be another six months. Okay, so factually, realistically, we're not going to be able to hit X, Y, Z for another six months. I've got to deal with that, right, and, and be okay with that being the reality because if not, I'm going to have a really stressful six months. I'm going to make bad decisions. 
I'm going to forecast that onto our team. The team are going to get more stressed out than me, right? I won't be leading by example. I won't be the person that I know I should be to show up every single day for the team. And there's just a you know cataclysmic bloody breakdown throughout. So I understand the value of, of remaining, you know, level-headed. And don't get me wrong, I have some shit days. I'll go home and, you know, if, if, if only the team knew what my thoughts were for the day sometimes. But knowing that that's, that's like clouds, right? Clouds come and they go, they pass. Sometimes they're a lot darker. Sometimes they're just scattered all over the shop and being able to be cool with and know that that's supposed to be there today. This is how you're supposed to feel today. But then being consciously aware to be able to course correct if you require. Yeah. So, so what are some of the strategies you do you use for, for dealing with those clouds, those dark clouds as, as they come into to get clarity and, and move forward yeah so so thinking it through like firstly thinking it through and removing emotion because this is a big thing if you can start um you know acting based on logic and then emotion you're going to be far more advanced to, to make bigger steps in any area of your life right it, it's it's the being able to remove the emotional component looking at it logically looking at it, actually what's really happened you know, and, and I see this whenever I'm coaching any sales people, right, where they're, they're like, oh, I ask him, what's your percentage of close rate from lead to close? Uh, it'd be about, I don't know, about 80%. I'm like, about or what is it exactly? Oh, I don't know. Well, you're just surmising that it's 80%. Let's go back through your last 20 sales appointments and see how many have closed. I've done this so many times and people have gone, yeah, 70, 80%, and we've found out it's like 30%. I said, do you know what you've just done? Like you're setting yourself up on this unrealistic landscape. Now they could go, oh, it's it's twenty percent based off the last three days that they haven't closed any deals. When you look back and the facts actually state, oh, you might have you've actually closed sixty percent, right? So I'm a massive advocate of going, what's the what's the actual reality? So whenever the team share a win and they're like, oh, we're winning with this, I'm like, winning. What does winning mean? How are we winning? Oh, we got this, this, and this. I said, yeah, how, how much is that? How much is this? What is this? Like breaking it down to go, what is it? Because your good is different to my good. Like if I ask you, uh, you know, um, how's your business going? You're going really good. Like in my mind, it's it's bloody, you're killing it. But really good could be, yeah, you just made, you actually made some profit this week. Right. So getting getting actually <clears throat> very logical and factual about what you're what you're allowing your emotions to buy into is is a really great starting point excellent yeah i'm an advocate for for reality checks and and making sure what is rather than what if and and the stories that come with what if so that's fantastic um brett you also work with entrepreneurs across other businesses and and your clients are obviously entrepreneurial or growing businesses looking to increase their their presence in the world are there common frustrations? What are some of the frustrations you're seeing with business owners <clears throat> happening? Yeah, so so we we work in over be close to forty different industries now, and I can tell you one of the most common, and it's good for us, the most common frustration right now is they don't know how to generate quality leads for their business, which to me is the lifeblood of any business, right? If your sales pipeline is not full, or you're not making sales in e-commerce, or you're missing out big time, you're you're reducing the impact of your potential business. So I've noticed, and this is a, this is a narrative I've been preaching for a little bit now, is that 
most small business owners and even big enterprise businesses, you know, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars a year, companies, CEOs that I speak to or CMOs as well, they're looking at marketing with the wrong lens. Like they really are. If we can firstly establish a foundation that marketing, like people hearing and seeing about you and then coming through the process to want to know more, right? Wanting to know more and wanting to buy from you. That's the most important thing in, in my view, right? You could have the best product, doesn't matter. You could have the best salesperson ever working for you. If he gets one lead a week, he ain't going to do too well, right? Or she's not going to do too well. Um, <clears throat> so if we can just establish that, that marketing is the, is the foundation, why are businesses not treating it like it's the most important? And let me explain why they're not. Because their budgets, and if we're talking big business here, their budgets are based off just fucking ridiculous financial spreadsheets going, oh, we need to spend 4% on marketing. So like 4%, like what, what does that even mean? How does that even tie into this overall, you know, growth of your company? Like I see so many big companies, like, like I say, hundreds of millions of dollars a year, and they don't have like growth plans to grow the business. They just want to stay fucking stagnant almost. I'm like, I don't get it. Um, small business owners, <clears throat> right, the team under 10 type thing, even under 20, a lot of them think that they should be doing it themselves. Like marketing has, has created this stigma. Um, and I heard this a few weeks ago. Someone's like, yeah, I want to do marketing because it's fun and, you know, marketing's cool. I'm like, you're, you're thinking old school branding. Like let's go and create something fun and eccentric and put it out there to the world. It's like, fuck, that ain't making sales, right? How's this thing going to make dollars in the bank? That's what we really need to look at. That's the ultimate outcome. And um, so people are looking at marketing wrong. They're still seeing it as something that they should do themselves or they can do themselves or they're going to throw it off to their admin who can do it sort of part-time in between answering phone calls and stuff. It's like, my gosh, the, the reason why you see a lot of posts out there, and I'm, not sure, I'm assuming here, but I probably see a lot more because I'm in this realm. A lot of people asking about how, like Facebook and how do you do this and what type of ads should I use and should I do videos, this or that, should I use dynamic product ads, blah, 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 these questions, right? I'm like, the reason why we're hearing so much of that is because Facebook itself, and if we're talking there, like paid advertising, whether the question's around Facebook or LinkedIn or anything, it's such a new industry. It really is a new industry. It's not established. So there's a lot of people out there thinking they can do it alone. When taxes came in, right at the very, very start of, of business and so forth, most people would do their own taxes, right? Most people do their own taxes, right? That'd be, you don't see any questions now online going, hey, what do I put in the W1 column about wages and, and tax liability and so forth? You don't see that because no one's sitting there doing their own BAS statements, right? We realize that accounting is its industry and we pay people, we pay them good money to save us money. How about paying really good money to a, a fantastic marketing team who's going to make you money? Like it's weird. It's like flipped on. It's upside down. And this is sort of something that I'm, I'm out there and in the, in the marketplace really having these conversations, try and wake business owners up to go, there's an easier way to do this. You know, there's, there's an easier way to do this. And, and I get it because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen out there who are experts in paid advertising when they've never spent any of their own money to start with. It's another conversation. But 
there are you have to be very very aware of what you're getting into but i'm telling you right now we need to all businesses need to start taking marketing seriously right there's a lot more competition but there's also a lot more opportunity and business owners who are trying to do it themselves when you're spending an hour or three hours or 10 hours or 30 hours a week on your marketing, that's 30 hours a week. You're not spending on growing your sales team, growing your culture, growing the education of your team, growing the vision of your business. Just, just doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, it's a, it, it, and, and once they, when they're frustrated and they're not getting the results, maybe because they haven't got the expertise and they haven't got the team and they haven't got the knowledge, then they're in this spiral of, of frustration and spending money and, throwing their hands in the air and saying it doesn't work la 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 and and they're down the track yeah. from there so one of the we, things- we have a lot of conversations with businesses where they say it doesn't work and I'll go let me just help you out with that for a second it didn't work yeah right? it didn't work cuz we are we are making it work for a lot of businesses right now making it rain for them yeah. is it harder than it was 6 months ago 12 months ago yes was it harder um Today, then when I started Facebook advertising like eight years ago in 2009, it's actually, that's way long, it's like nearly 10, 10 years ago, you know, when all I had to do was put an ad up and put money, decide how much money I wanted to pay and just get a fantastic return. Yeah, it was a lot easier back then. But that's why we need a, that's why there was no um, business or industry for it back then because anyone who could click a mouse pad basically could go into Facebook or Google ads and you could make money. Now it's a specialized industry that requires more than just how do you run an ad? It's you need to take the creative into, into place, right? The, the, the imagery, the video, the, the emotions that you're expelling through your creative is massively important. The words you use, right? The, the persuasion, the influence, the, um, hypnosis that we're using in the written word to be able to get someone to go from A to Z is it's a highly specialized skill now. You know, we've got a team of dedicated copywriters, team of creative team where we're designing and creating content, right? We've got a strategy team because strategy is just as important than, than anything. Strategy underpins the entire concept because you can go and create a good ad, but if it's not tied to your overall strategy, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And one of the things with people out there doing so much or even do-it-yourself stuff, there's more noise out there. And so what you're saying is more important to actually have a focused strategy, clear communication targeted to your clients to align the right client with your business. 100%. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd rather be talking to my perfect client every single day than than people who are never, ever going to do business with us. Yeah. putting the right message in front of the right person at the right time. That's too, many, too many business owners are doing the right thing at the wrong time. Okay. That's, so, so, so ex- ex- that's it. Explain that. Explain that. They're doing the, the right thing at the wrong time. Yep. I like the concept of that. Explain that, how that plays out in, in a business. Or how, how has it played out for you in your experience, doing the right thing at the wrong time? Um, whew, Jesus, probably a thousand of these. So I'm the guy that learned how to do everything, right? I was the guy that when I decided that the internet was going to be my vehicle, I learned how to HTML code web pages because there was no drag and drop builders there. I learned all that. I, I 
I connected like not just one shopping cart. I like tested them all out, right? Because I was like, oh, I don't know, this one that's like eight dollars cheaper. I might be able to use that one. I'm going to test it and check it out. So, so I learnt the tactile. I was doing all the right things just at the wrong time. You know, I was um, just trying to learn every piece of the puzzle. And to my advantage, right? Unless you're going to go and create the best, the number one digital growth agency in the on the planet, don't go and learn all that stuff. Now I can use all that knowledge and because it's definitely not a waste of time and it gives me a very, very, very unique outlook on not just, you know, sort of sitting at the 30,000 foot view and looking down, I can see from that tactile because I have been that, you know, I have been that person who sat there writing ads, doing ads, building web pages, um, creating strategy, designing images. So all of those things you could argue they're the right thing to like to potentially do just at, at the wrong time. You know, I, I was, I was trying to, um, there was one, when I first, first launched my ever workout program, you know, I went straight to trying to build a PDF and, and create this product before I even thought about, yeah, what does this mean and where's this moving to? And so it's, you can argue that there's a lot of right things that we could be doing. Just we need to check in and go, is this the right time to do that though? Is yep. it the right time for you to go and buy a huge office and kit it out right now? Yep. Right. It might be the right thing in six months, 12 months, but is it the right thing now? So it, I always use that as a bit of an indicator to go, great. Okay. This is cool. Is this decision a now decision or a later decision? So the technique to get the right things happening at the right time that you use is simply asking those questions. Is it as simple as that for you? Yeah, I, I do. I go through, I go through a, actually there's, there's probably a, a self-identified checklist of, you know, if, if I do do this, what's the impact? Like what impact will this have? The positive, the negative, right? Um, is this something that Brett Campbell's just doing because he's excited? because like, I'm a quite excitable person. Like I can get excited really easy by a big idea, right? Is this, a, is this a Brett Campbell just getting excited or is this actually going to actually get us towards this ultimate vision, this bigger outcome? Um, and then I go, if in six months, like if, if in six months this does happen, will I still do it? Do I think I'll still feel the same, right? So just really future forecasting, go, oh, no, that's, I'm just excited now because of this or you can generally find other areas of your life, things that happen can very, very, very easily persuade your current decision for something else. Um, so I do, I do sit, I do become quite um, logical. I, I do, um, you know, even another thing is having a brain's trust of people that you can reach out to and talk to and discuss certain ideas and um, get feedback that you know is, is genuinely going to be great feedback. Like I, I'm not going to go to my mum and ask her financial advice, right? Cause she's got no bloody idea. Right. Um, even though if I seek comfort from my mum's feedback, it's like I'm getting the wrong feedback. Um, you know, so having a brain's trust in your own personal network of people who you reach out to for certain things, like I'm not going to go to a mate who's just got divorced and ask him marriage advice, you know? Um, so being very cautious of where you're, you're getting advice from. I don't get any advice from social media. I assure you of that. You know, what I use is yes, so social media is, is a, um, a cesspit 
of people's opinions trying to be forecasted onto you and they've got no freaking idea of context. Like it baffles me the amount of time someone will ask a question and people just go, here's my opinion. It's like, you haven't even clarified any question. You haven't even seek to understand. And I get it. People are just trying to be nice and helpful. I'm not here to bash anyone because I've probably done it in the past where I'm like, yeah, you should do that. Right. But the reality is the more consciously aware of it you become, you go, well, I need to make sure I'm, I'm, especially when it comes to big decisions, you know, you put it through a filter. You have to have your own personal filter, you know, and if people are part of that filter or actual questions are a part of that filter, then because what can happen sometimes with a, with a big decision is you've just got to look at where the fear is coming from as well. Cause fear dictates and drives and shifts where we move. You know, and if you go, is this just scared because you're like, you just don't know what's going to happen or you've got no idea what could happen. That's not a bad thing. As long as you know that, yeah, the only thing that I'm saying no to right now is because of this. Like if I do X, what am I giving up? Because for everything that you say yes to, you're saying no to something else, right? That That's a very, very important distinction. Um, so. I could baffle on for, for hours. But. No, that's, that's <laughs> just, just Brett, as, as we wrap up, I, I sense, and, and people will be getting a sense from this, from you talking is that you're, you've had a, a large amount of growth over the years, but your consciousness and your uh, ability to see where you are at this point in time and where you're going is really profound. It's great. Is there a daily practice or is there a practice that you've used over time to lift your levels of, of consciousness, to lift your levels of awareness, to, to grow yeah um the first thing and i'm not going to sit here and go here's my morning routine from five till nine because it changes and sometimes i stay in bed and sometimes i don't get up to walk and some days i don't me- most days i don't meditate where some days i do and all of that like let's just get super clear on that shit you don't need to buy into an ethos of it has to be regimented every single day yeah and and i'm just talking from my own experience now don't get me wrong having having um a set of guidelines in which you live life by is, is super important. You know, I wrote in my book, I've, there's there's a couple of things that I do religiously every single morning and night. First thing is practicing the attitude of gratitude. I think once you can really connect to, to being grateful for things that you never thought you could be grateful for, gives you just a, a, a real different launch pad to, to see life through, right? It changes the lens in which we're looking at. So you can look at the normal lens or you can look through the 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 gratitude lens and every single night before I go to sleep, 10 things that I'm grateful for in the morning before I get up, 10 things that I'm grateful for. And that, that now that took me a while. That took me, you know, a few months to really embed this into my first thing I do. Cause I'll tell you what, there's something beautiful about being able to wake up nine times out of 10. And the first thought you have is what am I grateful for? Cool. That, 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 right. It um, really launches something that um, is very peaceful. Um, Another thing that, um, you know, I, I regularly do is self-check-in with myself, right? And, and that's just like, mate, how'd you show up today? Simply, how did I show up today? And this is, I pay attention to this glitch in the matrix thing. Like, I know when I say something, I'm like, ah, oh, what a fucking idiot. Why, why did I even say that? That's not like me. That's what, that must have come across like a total douchebag or this or that, right? And I'm cool with calling myself on it. Right? I'll be in the middle of podcasts. If I say something, I'm like, oh, fuck, that was silly. Take that back. I didn't mean that. Like, I'm not here. To, I, I don't have a facade. It's like, it's um, being cool with checking yourself is, is very humbling. 
but that's where the growth comes from. You know, so something happened the other day and someone told me something and my first reaction was that of envy. I was jealous. And then I started going on this in my head, right? I'm like, oh, bang, 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 bang. Like, this is how dare that happen and how dare for that person and this and that. But when I actually go, hey, Brett, you got to check yourself, man. What's driving this and why, right? And really sit and think something through. There's not a lot that bothers me for a long period of time, right? Let's not get that wrong because there's a lot of shit that bothers me. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm like, mm, you're doing your thing again, right? So so I know, um, like, we've, we've got this horn right at work and I introduced it, right? And the fucking sound of it does my head in, right? So I'm like, oh, my God, what have I done? Do I go, hey, guys, no more horn? Um, <laughs> you know, so I've sort of cultivated this thing, which the team love it. It's fantastic. It's fun. But for some reason... The vibration, I hate, right? I hate the sound of it. Um, so then I had to check myself. I'm like, hold on a minute. This is why I was introduced. This is this is the value it will bring. And look at the value it's bringing for everyone else. Maybe you just need to take an L on this, right? I just need to go, you know, that's just what it is. It's supposed to be there. And, and if it gets to a point where I feel the desire to throw that horn away and it mysteriously doesn't, end up in the office anymore then that was supposed to be the outcome right but i can i can battle through that and go there's a higher purpose there's a higher reason for this thing right now so being able to consciously check in with yourself whenever there's a glitch in your matrix and i think this is this is a um it's a new concept i've really been sort of trying to filter through and even this right now right discussing this and having these type of conversations it allows you to think through these things Right, I heard Jordan Peterson talk about this, um, where he said, um, "Why do you, well, he was asked the question? Why do you think people are compelled to listen to you?" Right, and I'm just assuming you know Jordan Peterson. Do you know yes. Jordan Peterson? Yeah, of course you do. Yep. So, because I've been fascinated with that guy for the last three years since it, since he popped up onto the scene, because there's something about it, and I'm like, I I just can't put my finger on it. I just can't put my finger on it. And uh, me and a friend were talking and we're like, why are we compelled to listen to this guy? And he goes, well, we both sort of came up, but he, he goes, it's because it's the logos in action, right? The logos in action. So he's sitting thinking, working through these thoughts and ways. He's, it's not a pre-scripted bloody dialogue. It's like, okay, he's thinking it through. And this is what I love. I love these conversations where you can sort of, you know, my brain, I can feel it working and I'm talking about and risking concepts of conversation. Like, you know, I love to, and this is why I love doing a lot of interviews um, again, because it, it allows me to go, okay, and this is probably my own selfish reasons, but you can go on podcasts and all of a sudden someone's on like 10 podcasts. You're like, yeah, I know exactly what that podcast is going to be about. With me, I don't even know what this podcast is going to be about. I'm going to challenge myself and change my ways of thinking in a, and not change them just to change them, but just to can I build upon them? Can I? Is there a different way to think about this? Is there another angle I haven't looked at this? Um, and that concept of the logos in action, I think being able to have your own internal logos in action and check and evaluate yourself fucking powerful <laughs> i love it and, and i am a fan of jordan peterson as well he he gets a, a lot of playtime here at our place um and brett I, I love the concept that you talked about is that that glitch in the system and it aligns with what in the uh, matrix in the matrix you, you've got to use the matrix analogy the matrix. purely okay. because 
that movie just blows your mind if you actually go back and watch it. It right. does. Uh, it's 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 number one on the playlist. Number one on the playlist here. But that that glitch in the Matrix and and Jordan talks about it when he talks about authenticity. He talks about this alignment, and, and we feel we actually feel when we're misaligned when, mm. when we, we're feeling that glitch. And I, and I sense that's what you're talking about is that alignment coming through that when you're aligned, you know that's what you're meant to be doing. And when you yep. feel the glitch, you feel that misalignment and you go, what's happening here? Is that how it plays out for you? So that, that's the sign, right? The glitch is the sign. And I actually just read this book called Nudge. Um, and it talks about um, a number of concepts. And one of them being like, if you're in a line and you've got your core values and you've got your set of rules in which you live life by and your, your non-negotiables, right? So for me, one of mine was to limit swearing, right? Um, I feel swearing, you know, particularly the F-bomb and, and, you know, the S-bomb can be used in specific areas to create greater impact, right? Again, I did a whole podcast on bloody is swearing okay. So given that being one of my guidelines, like it wasn't I want to stop swearing, right? Because I, I didn't truly believe that to be – now, could I stop it? I, I could, but I feel having certain times where I can use it to really hammer a point home because that comes back to the art of communication and being able to influence and so forth. But now every time I say an F-bomb, like I could go back through now in my mind for the last hour we've been talking – and say where I've dropped the F-bomb. It's because I'm so consciously aware of that now, right? So knowing that whilst that's, you know, my value is to reduce, every time I say it, I'm like, have you used it too much yet, right? So when I do feel I've used it too much, you'll notice me, I won't say it or I'll cut back or I'll, because I'm like, yeah, I've used my quota, right? I've used my quota. So again, that's just coming back to being aware and, 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 self-analyzing your current state and, and um, when the misalignment or the glitch in the matrix, as I, as I coin it, um, happens, that's an opportunity for you to go, oh, what's happening around here? So, for example, I want to reduce the amount of hot chips that I eat. Right, so I'm on a bit of a, another fitness cleansing process. You know, the last couple of months have been very diligent I used to eat hot chips maybe three, four times a week, right? It's easy to go, oh, yeah, I'll get a half chicken from Nando's and a side of large chips, right? <laughs> it's easy to throw that in there because everything comes with a side of potatoes. I always joke, if I was ever lost on an island, all I'd need is Wilson and uh, and unlimited potatoes, I'd be fine. Um, <laughs> but knowing that, that I want to reduce that, I'm now consciously aware that if fries are presented to me, I now am faced with a decision, you know, and the more in alignment that you are, the more you'll feel the nudge, the, the misalignment when it occurs. And then that's an opportunity to go, Brett, you know, you don't want to eat them. You want to massively reduce them. You might've had them last night or you haven't had them in two weeks. Then I can sort of go, am I okay with eating hot chips right now? I can make the decision. It's so, when the more in alignment you are, the bigger the gap, right? The bigger the gap from misalignment. And what I mean by that is if you feel misaligned, if you're very in aligned, it'll give you a few moments to go, mm. it won't be like, yeah, and a large chips and then you're eating them and you're like, oh, shit, that's right. I forgot about that. 
right? So the more in alignment you can become, the larger your gap is created and allows you enough stopping and thinking time and evaluating time to make your decision. Yeah, that's it's fantastic. And and the more that you stay in alignment, the stronger that alignment is and, and the gap gets bigger and you notice the, the glitches in the matrix, but you might not react to them. So that's well, It's like Neo, right? So we know when the bullets come to Neo and he's like, He's really tapped into the matrix, right? So he's got a lot of time to slow it down and maneuver. Where if you're misaligned, that bullet's coming straight at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and sometimes it takes us a while, a few a few bullets hitting us to realize that we can uh, do it better and, and attune more and be in more alignment. Brett, it's been a fantastic uh, time going beyond business with you on the show. I really appreciate your insight, um, your openness uh, and your authenticity. Uh, it's been fantastic and I, I hope people connect with you. They can just look up Brett Campbell online. What's the best way they can connect with you, Brett? Yeah, look, just find me anywhere online. Just find me on Facebook or Instagram or um, you can go to my website, brettcampbell.net. Um, yeah. Excellent. Brett, thanks for being on the show. Absolute pleasure. It was a fantastic conversation. Loved it. Thanks for watching. Make sure you like, comment, share, and review. And be sure to subscribe to Beyond Business with Sean Nicholas.